0: Welcome back, everybody. We got a brand new episode today.
1: We got the Hall of Gains and Hypertrophy podcast here. We got Paul and Kristoff again, as per usual. Uh, so we're going to be uh, just having a basic conversation today. Nothing too serious. Just wanted to have some fun with it. And hopefully you guys can listen in and enjoy as well.
0: No, this podcast is only completely serious. We never have any fun on here. There's no <laughs> laughing ever. No jokes. <laughs> fitness fitness is not a joke. <laughs> You either live and die by the fitness, or you just don't do it at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just not involved. You're like you're like um, Ethan from H three H three or whatever it's called, where he's like he's like there's so many better things to do with your life than exercise.
0: Hmm.
1: He's got, probably got like 20 nanograms tested in system. That's but- actually
0: like. The, the super toxic side of the whole gym world, like if saying, like, if you're not 100% in this, like, and you don't live and breathe every every single aspect of it, you don't you're not dedicated like that's, that's such a toxic side of things.
1: <laughs> yeah, I used to listen to a lot of like CT Fletcher back in the day, because um, his stuff was very motivating. But like, I kind of started seeing it as really toxic, because his whole mentality is like, you have to be obsessed. And it's like, eh I don't think you got to be obsessed. Like it was like, if you don't eat, sleep, breathe, like have, you know, bodybuilding or really anything, whatever you're focusing on, like consume your life, you're not going to succeed in it. And it's like, I get where he's coming from, but I I that's just not healthy. Like look at anybody who's like on the Olympia stage or just recently gotten pro, like most people, especially just recently gotten pro, they have a full-time job, you know, they got other hobbies. A lot of them have families. So, I mean, you can't just, like, let something, ups- like,
0: consume your entire life. So, like, that shit's definitely toxic. Yeah, I mean, I just, you become too one-dimensional if, if everything you do is just, you know, I don't know. For us, it's the gym. Like, if I only did the gym, I'd be, I'd be, I mean, sure, it might be fun for me, but no, I would have no friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear that. And there's a saying that goes along with it. So there's the old saying a lot of people reference is jack of all trades. Then there's also jack of all trades, master of none uh, Mm. that a lot of people say. But the real saying, the full entire saying is jack of all trades, master of none is better than master of one. Mm. So it's better to be kind of spread out a little bit and enjoy and know more than one thing than it is to only know one thing, even though you're not a master at one thing you can have, you know, different focuses in life. And I think that that's what gives life purpose. So like when bodybuilders have like uh, Q and A's on their Instagram and stuff like that, I always think it's funny to see like all the questions about bodybuilding, but then I'll throw in like, what other hobbies do you have? <laughs> and then they get all excited about it and like talk about their other hobbies because there's not, there's more to it than just bodybuilding, you know, just because like their content is focused on it. Doesn't mean that that's all who they are. You know, like my coach, he's Huge into bodybuilding, pro competing, got his clients and everything, but he's huge into films. He's like his own film. Nope, critic.
0: nope. He does nothing else. He yeah, he only, he only, only does, he does the gym. Does.
1: <laughs> All he does is food and gym and clients. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he likes films. So it's like you never know like what people are into until you ask them, and I think that that's that's important.
0: I think that master of all quote you said, I think that's a Johnny sins quote <laughs> yeah he's he's a that's a good example of a jack of all trades. He's done everything yes. in life, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, getting into our main topic today though, um we just wanted to kind of have a little conversation on um well, we could start with apparel and you know, the things that we wear to the gym, things that we see others wear to the gym, and also kind of there is kind of a progression of what you wear when you're at the gym um -hmm. so like if you if you're like a if if i'm gonna say joe Schmo, but if you're like some regular dude who's just getting into the gym sorry gotta (laughs) say gal too um but if you're just some regular person getting into the gym for the first time pretty much 100 percent of the time you're wearing something baggy over because if you're in there especially for weight loss you probably don't like the way you look so that's where the baggy sweats and the baggy sweatshirt comes in. And, yeah, uh, I,
1: I know when I got started, I was wearing like, so I went to, really when I got started was Vanarchy. And there's no, when it comes to their atmosphere, like the, the actual temperature in the gym, there's really no in between. So it's either cold. They're like cold as shit during the winter or hot as balls during the summer because there's no, there's, there, there are like space heaters and like little AC units, but they don't heat the or cool the entire place. So it, my apparel there was just entirely dependent on whatever temperature it was that day. Like, let's say it was like a normal temperature, I could wear either way. Um, I typically wore like, um, t shirt and, Uh, like basketball shorts, like that went down to like my knees. Like that's, (laughs) I don't even (laughs) know. Yeah, it was awful, but like, that's what I was wearing. Um, And then just like vans or like whatever shoes I was wearing at the time is, is what I was typically wearing. And then it kind of, you know, transitioned over time. I mean, especially during the winter when it was cold in there, it's like sweatshirt and sweatpants or even jeans sometimes, depending on how busy I was that day. And like, that's how you stayed warm. So like when I, so Uh, Anybody listening, I'm coming up to Massachusetts on Thursday. So when I come up there, I'm going to at least train at Vanarchy once. So if you're in Massachusetts, you know, hit me up. We we might train or something like that. But with that being said, um, Vanarchy is probably going to be cold enough to where I'm going to need a sweatshirt and sweatpants for like the entire workout. So I might I might hit legs on Thursday there because legs is insane at Vanarchy from what I can remember. I don't know how many pieces they've changed or gotten rid of or anything, but. fan legs there was pretty is always pretty fun but uh uh yeah whenever i train there during the winter it's sweat sweatshirt sweatpants until i'm drenched in sweat and super hot then i'll slowly strip but that's how that worked for me
0: Hmm. yeah i know that when i first got into the gym it was just whatever i like whatever clean laundry i really had because i really didn't care what i looked like um i did a whole lot of you know just the whatever athletic bottoms I had and then just t-shirts and stuff like I didn't really care too much too too much but um Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that once I got like a month in and got like really serious like I started to wear tank tops I started to wear well not tank tops but those like athletic tank tops I'm not talking like a wife beater but I'm talking about like um athletic cut tank tops the ones that um like Nike sells and stuff like that um and uh just different basketball jerseys too like i'd wear stuff like that to the gym um mm-hmm. but then at some point in my progression i got confident in i don't know if it was confident in my chest it probably wasn't because i'm not very confident in my chest It was probably confident in my abs and obliques i started wearing muscle cuts so muscle cuts tear yeah. all the way down your side yeah. and that just became easy for me because i had a i'm six four and i'm pretty lean and so it's hard for me to find, you know, shirts that fit real nice. So I have just a boatload of shirts that are either too square for me or too boxy and stuff like that. So I was able to just knock off the sleeves and the sides of those. And I have just hundreds of, you know, muscle cut shirts of just random things. Um, I mean,
1: it makes sense because it's like if you, you either get a shirt that's too short or a shirt that's too that's too wide. So if you get a shirt that's too wide, you could just cut it down. So it's muscle cut, essentially.
0: Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's, that's also why I need to buy more. Uh, also, as we talk throughout this session, Paul and I are not affiliated with nor endorsed by any brands that we talk about. So just want to throw that out there before we start name dropping different brands. <coughs> Excuse me. I agree. But, um, like, uh, a, a brand that Paul and I wear all the time is, uh, steel, steel supplements. Uh, they do bundles all the time for their t-shirts. And I, <laughs> back when I got my first steel shirt, I bought a large, And that was the size that I thought would fit me. And I put it on once and it made my arms look fantastic. But it was almost like a crop top because of how tall I am. And so it's very difficult for me to wear that. And then, you know, I buy the extra large and I still have a little bit of space inside of it. So it actually gives me I actually like buying bigger clothes um, because it gives me a goal. Like I want to fill out this shirt. Like I want to fill out this sweatshirt, something like that pants like i i I bought slim fit pants for the majority of my life because i've been thin and uh this past summer i've tried to put on my teaching slacks that i like my slacks i just own for teaching and my quads just got stuck and i was like you know that's a good feeling right there yeah. so i i think that you know it's an interesting progression to think about for where you go where you start from where you go um Yeah, I mean, shirt size does kind of tell a little bit of a
1: story. Um, My goal in bodybuilding was always, uh, until relatively recently, it was always um, 3XL. I wanted to get big enough to need a 3XL shirt. But now it's like, I think like lean in an extra large shirt, I'd be fucking massive. Like that's kind of where I want to be. Like probably like 2XL off-season But like extra large, like on season, like cutting, I think would be like my ideal spot that I'd want to be. But now it's like, I'm not the leanest right now. I'm still working on it. I'm going on actually more like a keto based diet soon, according to the meal plan, just because I didn't really, I'm losing weight, but I'm not losing fat. So we got to cut out more carbs. But um, I'll be uh, like right now, I'm like a large kind of, but with a decent amount of fat, Um, at least enough to like um, not have super vascularity, you know, not super vascular or anything. And then, uh, kind of see my like upper abs a little bit. That's at least for me on the fatter side. So, um, that's where I'm wearing a large, but once I lean out and trim down a bit, I think I'll be give or take like a lot, like a medium, like just like squeezing into a medium though. Like I'm the wearing a medium. <laughs> I'm wearing a, I would fucking love, uh, like, so, I'm wearing a medium right now and it's, it's pretty tight. I'm not wearing it to like wear the t-shirt. I'm just wearing it just to have something on underneath the sweatshirt. Uh, and I'm going to hit chest later and just take off the shirt and sweatshirt at the same time. But, um, I was like an inch away from making a company, um, an apparel company that specialized in making medium, large shirts, Mm -hmm. like in between medium and large, because that's the sweet spot right there. So it was, uh, I talked to a private label company that specializes in apparel and I told them what I was thinking. Um, it ended up being like, I didn't, what I wanted was, I wanted a test shirt. I wanted to see if it actually would fit well and how people would react to it. Um, but obviously, you have to bulk order in order to get started. So it didn't end up coming to fruition because I couldn't even test the product. But, um, so it was going to be – the idea that I had was I basically took like medium and large measurements and what I did was I kept like the the chest and the shoulder area, like the actual like top part of the shirt, the measurements the same. But then the armband, I brought in to halfway between medium and large and then the trunk and waist, I brought it to halfway between medium and large. Because especially when you're in bodybuilding, your biggest – Issue is going to be your chest and your lats in the back. That chest circumference is going to be your biggest problem. Your delts are also going to be a problem too. When I'm wearing regular shirts, my shirt, like the sleeves, like come out, like they kind of point Mm. outwards because of my delts. And then your trunk as well, too, because like that's not really that big of an issue because your trunk is smaller than your shirt typically. But I would, I wanted a shirt that would come in and show the V shape that like bodybuilders, you know, go for. So, you know, having the wider last, the bigger chest, bigger delts, and then having the slimmer waist, that was the idea that I wanted was that you don't, you didn't have to take off your shirt to show that. Um, A lot of stringers kind of go for that, um, which I mean, I'll be talking about in a few minutes, but um, that was my idea for the shirt. And then the other idea I had was I wanted to have like kind of like a checkered pattern. So it'd be four big squares um, sideways. So like the point would meet kind of in the middle of your chest, but the left and right would have black squares on your sides and then white up top and then white down below so what this would do is it would almost look like because black is a slimming color it would visually it would pull in your waist and your hips inwards because of the black color slimming it down but then your white at the top would widen the top of the shirt visually and the bottom would bring in your would bring in your waist a little bit because the square the black square would reach down to the bottom So it would look, it would physically look like you're going like an X. It's like an X shape. So that was the idea that I had. It didn't come to fruition, unfortunately, but um, I've really, I've really thought about this. Like I gave it a lot of thought. (laughs) Yeah, that's intense. If if somebody wants to make that by all means, I mean, I don't know if I'm ever going to make that company. So if somebody wants to take that idea and run with it, by all means, you have my permission.
0: I was gonna say we just we leaked company secrets uh on air. Nothing was <laughs> nothing
1: was patented or even designed or anything. It's just an idea. So if somebody wants to take that and run with
0: it, I will gladly get a few free shirts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um to kind of put on the, the specific, you know, piece of apparel though, let's keep talking shirts though. Yeah. And um so I, I think let's mention the progression again and then um kind of go from there but uh-huh. uh generally speaking like i've seen a lot of this too um if you're overweight or you know not particularly pleased with how you look uh the long sleeve uh crew neck i see that all the time in the gym um and i think that's a good starting place especially for a pump cover too once you actually get into the you know if once you start feeling good and start working out consistently um because that kind of hides everything. So between the, the sweatshirt, hoodie, uh, and long-sleeve crew neck, I think those three are kind of like your starters um, for when you first get into the gym versus, or not versus, but then additionally, like just turn naturally progressing into a pump cover. Um, But like Paul and I have talked about with how we're, we have goals on bigger sizes, and the more you work out, those things you wear when you first get into the gym, you're probably not going to be fitting into give it, you know, a year or two from that point. Like I know, uh, I have a couple long sleeve shirts that fit me great. Oh God. What? Four, three years ago, something like that. And now when I put them on, like the one thing that I notice with all of my shirts is that I feel like I'm getting choked out because of how my, you know, my natural, uh, shoulder, or my, sorry, words, my shoulders have widened, which give, let's mm-hmm. stretch out the top of the shirt some more. And, Um, while my chest is not huge i've developed chest so it pops out a little bit there too which just all all of that combined tightens around the collar and i literally feel like i'm getting choked in almost all of my old shirts um traps too that's true your
1: traps they go up your neck a little bit so building up your traps is going to expand that as well so i have that problem with regular shirts too a lot of shirts that i get from like uh tj max target stuff like that the the hole is a little too small like it kind of pulls in because you also build your neck muscles up your front side neck Mm -hmm. muscles and your traps too. So that also contributes to your neck, your neck hole issue.
0: Yeah. And that's why I wear a ton of V-neck shirts. And then you'll see if you ever work out with me, if I take a shirt and turn it into a muscle cut, which is what I do with everything. Um, I actually take just a knife or a pair of scissors and I just cut right down the center of the collar because I just need that space to breathe. Um, So I think that's kind of like where we all more or less start now where I think it kind of deviates a little bit from the standard norm is what people have underneath because I see some people wear, like you had mentioned wearing that 2X, 3X like uh, in the gym that's, you know, well oversized. And I know that's very, very popular when you uh, start getting into the bigger side of uh, the gym world because I don't know if it's from hiding you want like a t-shirt pump cover or if it's just from how the look is, but I see it across the board uh, within higher uh, gym world, I guess I could say. So I don't know if you want to touch on that like where yeah. do, where does the where does the big t-shirt trend come from?
1: Well, it's just like, I'm talking like physically having to actually wear one because that if everything else is too small. So like I wanted mm-hmm. to get the 3XL specifically to be that size to where I would actually necessitate the 3XL. Like if I wore do, a 2XL, you know it would be
0: too small. Do you know what I'm talking about though? Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Um. So that's where I was coming from. But nowadays, what you see now is that a lot of guys are wearing XLs or 2XLs, especially on days like leg day, because there's this whole like, kind of like stigma almost at this point where... If you wear baggy clothing on leg day, you're you're like 50% stronger. I don't know why. And then huh. at the same time, there's the whole like pump cover thing, which is kind of stupid to me, um, like in a sense, because it like for someone like Sebum, like you're, it's almost like you want to hide your physique in a sense. Uh, so when you take out, when he takes off his sweatshirt and like he's lean for a show, like right now, like right now he's like about two weeks out from the Olympia. Like he's getting real fucking lean right now. So like if he goes in wearing a baggy shirt and then he takes that off for like a like a pretty tight stringer, like everybody's going to be looking because he had that pump cover on and you don't know what's underneath until he took it off. But these dudes like Joe Schmo over here who's been in the gym for two months thinks that he's going to take off his pump cover and the gym's going to mm. be silent. And it's like, very, very, very few people could ever make a gym go silent from taking off your pump cover. I've never seen it happen, first of all. So that's kinda where the big baggy shirt came from is that they could like wear the shirt and they're like, Oh, I feel skinny, blah, blah, blah. Then they take off the shirt and they're like, Oh shit, I'm actually kind of jacked. Like that's kinda <laughs> I think where it came from in the whole like social media kind of aspect of pump covers. But um I think you just need to like for for general confidence atmosphere you know, culture, stuff like that, just wear good fitting clothing that isn't going to rip, that isn't going to, you know, you're going to grow out of too fast. Obviously, like for me, I have that issue where I feel like my clothing's constantly changing because I'm bulking, cutting, bulking, cutting. And then, you know, I kind of like, even when I am on the cutting side, medium is still kind of too little small. So it is still kind of tight. Um, So just find like good fitting clothing and kind of run with it. Um, especially like, like shirts is a big one because when people are looking at you, they're going to see the shirt the most. Um, not to mention if you're wearing anything on your head, like a hat or anything like that, but let's say your shirt, that's, what's going to really, people are going to really associate with you. So if you're wearing a baggy shirt that just doesn't fit well and kind of goes over your elbows and shit, um, then it, that's what they're going to associate with you is clothes that don't fit well. So if you wear a f- good fitting clothing, good fitting t-shirts, even in the gym, it's just gonna it's just gonna elevate your actual perception um obviously I'm not some stupid like dating coach or some shit like that um, but that's just typically how society works is that when you have better fitting clothing they're gonna put you at a higher status level in their head because you're you know how to shop for yourself and you know how to wear clothing for yourself so
0: something to keep in mind in my head I have absolutely silenced many gyms. <laughs> Yeah. In, in my head, <laughs> one person's like
1: glances at you for a second. You're like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> Everybody was looking. I fucking knew it. That I know one I, kid I, over I, I, there glanced at me for a split second. I knew they were waiting for me to take off my pump cover.
0: Sometimes i and this gets a little toxic. Sometimes I'll take off my pump cover in a direction of someone. Like if I if I get like a, if I think I get like a bad look from someone, I kind of do my. You know when you stand, you finish your set, and I'm the person that does like the 360 hands on the hips, looks at everything <laughs> yeah, in the gym. Yeah. So if I think I get a bad look from someone, I'll just kind of keep eye contact with them and then just take off my pump cover, because um, I wear basically one sweatshirt every single lift, and uh, yeah. I I will, and it, I struggle with it because this sweatshirt even is starting to get a little bit small on me. So I'm sitting there like trying to get my arm through the through the armhole and eventually pull it off over my head, and I'm like yeah everybody just saw that and in reality nobody cares yeah exactly i wear i
1: wear sometimes i'll wear shorts under my especially for like day i will wear shorts under my under my like joggers or pants or something so when somebody's looking at me i'll just pull down my pants and look at them between my legs from behind <laughs> but i'm just kidding um but yeah no there is that whole like kind of confidence thing behind like uh behind uh pump covers and I, I kind of do it for just myself like because what I'll do – like today, chest day. Chest day is one of my favorite days to do this. What I'll do is I'll get like a chest pump going or like start my workout and start sweating. And then I'll take it off and then immediately kind of like go into posing or, or flexing in general, contracting it, and just kind of see where like I am underneath the clothing. There There is a little bit to it, but I mean I know I'm not going to silence any gyms anytime soon. Like that's going to take <laughs> a decade if I even get to that point, but – Typically, you could also tell, like, usually, like, when you're under, when guys are under bigger sweatshirts, you can kind of tell when these dudes are built. But, uh, it's these, you know, most guys aren't like that typically. Even, even pros, like, like most pros, like I would say, like 95% of pros, they have to tell you they're pro in order for you to really know. Um, cause it's like, it's, especially nowadays. I mean, it's, we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's, it's, um, very watered down the pro cards very watered down not to discredit it at all but i think that what you're placing is in what show it is is more important than actually having a pro card at this point like so if you're like oh i like if you won like a national like the national championship or some sort of national show that's more important than like winning overall national is much more important than getting your pro card because it's so watered down now so it's like these dudes are like yeah i just recently made pro and i'm like i mean that's great man How, how'd you do it like no, yeah well I mean when I'm talking like when I'm talking to them it's great but like I'm not really saying anything about it but like I'll see guys on social media like recently make pro and I'm just like I mean okay I, I don't really see that personally as like a pro look um I think it would need more work but like it, it's that's the problem too is that especially men's physique especially men's physique when they're wearing a sweatshirt and pants or something almost never can you tell that um they're pro or like bodybuilding because you know they don't judge legs so typically a lot of men's physique guys don't focus on legs which is kind of changing now which is great but like when they're wearing you know they're not men's physique competitors like my, you know i'm gonna be one coming up soon we're not the biggest dudes ever you know but we're gonna be some of the ideally some of the most diced on stage but actual size not that big you know a lot of a lot of men's physique competitors are under 200 pounds which when you're wearing a sweatshirt, you can probably get away with a large sweatshirt and not really show much, you know. But that's just how it is. It also depends on the guy, too. I mean, I know some dudes are right off the top of my head. Their arms fucking explode out of sweatshirts. But <laughs> they're one, like, pro, I guess. They're one, like,
0: big strength, for instance. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting way to think about it, too. Like, how you never know. It's that whole, you know... Don't judge a book by its cover, type thing. Like you never know what's what's underneath, but sometimes you can tell. Um, Yeah, yeah. If they're
1: really huge dudes, you can tell. But I mean, that's all. That's all. Fitness is is one hundred percent judging a book by its cover. That's all it is. You know, if you're judging someone based off their personality, fucking half these pros wouldn't be pros because they're all assholes. Like, fucking half the men's physique dudes on the Olympia stage are awful human beings. Like it just sucks to say it, but it's true. I mean, you're going to get just like any large group of people, you're going to get the general population and the general population is, you know, not the nicest people. I mean, as far as like, I'm saying, when you assume someone's a good person, you can also equally assume that someone's not a good person. So you're going to get a good mixture of everybody because it's a general, you know, population of people. Um, And the same thing goes for like, uh, Where's it going with this? The same thing goes for like how, uh, the, the, the class is portrayed, right? The class is actually like competed in. So unfortunately I think that a lot of the more toxic people are in men's physique. The guys who are as big as the other guys, I think most of the guys who are extremely humble and extremely nice are the bigger dudes, which is interesting to see. Um, and some of the most toxic guys, which we're going to be getting into later, are not even involved in body, bodybuilding. So we'll be talking about that later on. But yeah, it's like whatever you're wearing outside the gym almost never portrays who you really are. But then when you're talking about like super heavyweight guys who compete in men's open, stuff like that, the guys who are like close to 300 pounds, like there is no hiding that. Like there's dudes that I can think of off the top of my head where no matter what pants they're they're wearing, you can tell they got fucking legs, dude. They got trunks but that's just part of it you know that's just part of the 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 actual like bodybuilding essentially you're gonna not be able to fit in it like look at fucking kai green dude he can't even wear proper pants or sweatshirts because he's so fucking big granted he's also on the shorter side but like his sweat his lats like if he were to do a handstand you could rest a plate on his fucking lower lats <laughs> so wearing a sweatshirt is not exactly the easiest thing. And most pants for him because his legs are so big. Like he has to like wear specific sweatpants and stuff just to get by. Granted, you can wear like joggers and stuff like that, but like that's why there's like the whole like thing about bodybuilders walking with their legs spread out, but it's the truth. When you build your I always fucking mix them up. I think it's your adductors, the ones in the middle. I always mix them up. I can never get it. When you when you build up your adductors, the muscles between your your thighs, you they physically like stop you from walking with more of a straight stride. So, uh, you know, I've experienced it before where I had to start to walk with my legs a little bit wider for that reason. Obviously, joggers is you know the route that most people go, but yeah, it's hard to shop for these guys. The super heavyweight guys are very hard to shop for.
0: I'm one hundred percent Ronnie Coleman underneath my sweatshirt. Yeah, you're bigger than Ronnie.
1: He's scared of yeah. you. That's why you don't. Who? You don't lift at Who? Metroflex. You lift at Empire. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. That's what I got it. <laughs> if you had like a platform, like uh, if you have like a platform, like in uh, you got you got a decent amount of following, you're on a like let's say like you got a big enough platform to go on Ronnie Coleman, or, I mean not Ronnie Coleman, um, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's like, oh, yeah. Ronnie Coleman uh-huh. said this. You'd be like, who's that? Who? Like, <laughs> That'd be the funniest fucking joke ever. It'd be so funny. Like yeah, and when so Jay Cutler I... said this, who's that? Who's Jay Cutler? I don't know who that is.
0: <laughs> yeah, when Arnold said, "You can either have uh, results or excuses." Who? Who? You competed at the Arnold Classic. <laughs>
1: oh, I thought it was just a random name.
0: <laughs> it's like God. You know, we just gotta assign a name.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's no there's nothing to it. It's just Arnold. There's no last name. It's just the Arnold Classic. It could have been it could have been the John Classic, but they co- chose Arnold. <laughs>
0: That'd be funny. And, I think that kind of highlights and continues to highlight the toxicity that we all see in the gym. And it's funny how a lot of our conversations, regardless of what we talk about, comes back to this. But it's like <laughs> there's so much in the gym that can trigger toxicity. And it's like apparel is a big, big one of it. Like if you wear a certain you know, piece of clothing. So let's say you're wearing uh, some kind of a form fitting t-shirt or something like that and someone thinks that your form isn't good enough to fill out that frame or something like that they they make some kind of a toxic reference like it's it's no fun and like it, i see it across every gym like planet especially i used to see it all the time
1: Which um, is
0: so ironic because it's the
1: yeah zone, but it's the most judgy gym you could possibly go to
0: yeah absolutely and then uh apparel. i also definitely see it at empire too there's uh like for example there's the uh social media page that empire runs and uh the other day you know they they repost whenever someone puts up a story with the words empire like that the tag in it they'll repost it to their main page they don't do it for me for some reason so someone's got beef (laughs) with me but uh they uh there's this one dude who posts like the consecutive not consecutive but just the total amount of days he's been in the gym like He's at like 870 something. Like, it makes, I mean, to me, that makes no sense why I'd be counting like days back, like that. Back with no rest? No, no, no. Like, just, oh, like he picked a day when he started going to the gym and just started counting from there. Oh. And, uh, okay. Like, say- it, like, it, well, exactly. Once you eclipse one or two years, you're just saying years. But, uh, yeah. regardless, he posted Even like day 800. Yeah, yeah, something like that, like some other yeah. interval other than days. <laughs> yeah, days. And, and don't and don't go sh- shorter. I've been in the gym for one thousand eight hundred sixty three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go by seconds. I'm
1: I'm pro. I'm approaching three hundred million <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but he, he posted this picture. It was like day eight hundred seventy five, and I was like, "Cool." He's like, "He's almost at the three year mark." Like, good for you. And then, uh, then it said. I hate when I see these people carry all these plates to the leg press and then do a half set or half rep uh, set and then get all hyped up about it. And I was like, first off, there's so many plates that there's no way someone actually brought a plate over to the leg press machine. And if they did have to pull plates from other places in Empire, like Empire is fucking huge. They've got tons of plates. Like there's no reason like like Ronnie's, that's Ronnie weight right there. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just projecting his anger. But that's what I mean, Like, so this guy who I've never talked to him, but I see him all the time at Empire, like, you just run into this level of toxicity, and people will pick out anything. So, (coughs) excuse me. Apparel. Yeah, that very much includes apparel. So, like, uh go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean,
1: it also translates into women, too. Like, there's. Like this weird. Exactly where I was going with this. <laughs> yeah, like it's like for it sucks because like for guys we wear you know typically speaking a lot of guys especially for pants don't really wear anything tight. I wear exceedingly tight joggers, which is my wife doesn't like. But um, she she doesn't like me wearing them outside the house. Basically, is the problem that I have with my joggers. The the,
0: the, the booty is your is hers, not 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 anyone else's. Yeah, basically. Um, so
1: that I mean that's my own problem but like I feel like a lot of like especially the obviously I can't attest to this personally but from what I've seen outside of it it's like if you are a female in the gym I think that you you need to wear like there's almost like this whole thing especially with pants that you have to wear like leggings or like booty shorts or like on the occasion, kind of like those, like uh, Nike, like soccer shorts. I don't really know what to call them.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I no, know what you're talking about.
1: wearing them. That's the only like three types of pants you ever see on women in the gym. It's almost yeah. never anything in between. And the it's, gray like,
0: sweatpants too.
1: Uh, on occasion, on occasion, you'll see that. But, um, like I'm like, what, what's this? I don't get it. Like I don't like, like what? It, why do you need to wear that? Like what, what's the, what's the thing? What's the thought process behind it? Because it's like typically when I wear things to the gym, I'll either wear something that um, complements whatever I'm working on. So like today I'm wearing a stringer because I'm hitting gym, for instance, or of course I'm hitting gym. (laughs) We go gym. Jeez, I'm hitting gym. We go gym. No, I'm I'm hitting (laughs) chest today. So of course I'm going to wear a stringer so I can see my chest. And then I'm also wearing like relatively tight joggers so that like when I'm posing in the locker room after it kind of gives like the whole like physique look. But like when you're, when you're, a female wearing like joggers and you're hitting arms – or not joggers, leggings and yoga pants and you're wearing – you're hitting arms. Like, I just don't get it because it's like some of these – like it sucks like I think there's got – there's got to be some sort of stigma behind it, right? There's got to be some sort of like you don't really go to the gym if you don't wear like like well, pants that literally well, like your butthole sucks the
0: fucking fabric into. Like I don't <laughs> – so few women actually hit up her body though so i i mean that is part of it but i think also like it doesn't matter what they're hitting they have to appease whoever they're sending or general public their pump picks so like for example if if a a gal hits back i saw this the other day because i mean this gal was doing pull-ups so uh wide grip like palm facing out pull-ups like has to be a back workout and um then she immediately went up to the mirror and this is in front of everybody mind you, not even like going to the gym too, or the bathroom or something like that, where you can take better pictures, but like just mm-hmm. in front of everybody in front of the big mirror, taking the, that weird turnaround booty picture thing yep. that gals do, like even though she only hit back. So yeah, I, I there must be, I mean, I think it has to do with, you know, appeasing those who you're sending pictures like the the dopamine hit of i mean i don't get this a ton excuse me but like uh if a gal posts a picture and if she's a fairly attractive gal she's probably got at least a couple hundred dude horny ass dudes in her dms commenting on it and she gets a dopamine hit off of every single one of those like a brief little hey i did good because this dude thinks i i look good and uh, so even though this particular gal hit back, she probably posted the booty pic, like emphasizing the booty just to get a rise out of the dudes. So Yeah,
1: that's fair. Yeah, it's just it's just this weird thing that I see because it's like even people who are like just starting in the gym, they already have like full matching outfits from Gymshark and shit. <laughs> and it's like, OK, I mean, I guess if that's really what you want to wear, that's completely your prerogative. You're You have full right to wear whatever you want to wear to the gym as long as you're covering everything. But I just think that there's 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 obviously that stigma behind it where like and that obviously ties into like no matter what you hit, they have to like show the side of their butt, like doing that like weird back flex leg pose thing. But yeah, that's just that's just I mean, obviously, we're not in that world. We don't experience stuff like that. But well, I I think I think
0: guys have the opposite side of things. So regardless of whatever we do, we do, generally speaking, some kind of a front double or something like that like yeah
1: you see a lot uh, of uh yeah you see a lot of front front double and a lot of well if they do it properly a lot of side chest is what you see a lot for guys
0: yeah but and they'll hit that regardless of what they hit that's more so my point
1: yeah i mean yeah it depends i mean i guess it depends because for me like if i'm hitting legs i'm not gonna do a front double like i don't flex any of my upper body i just flex my lower body um so I'll just flex my legs. I'll just pose with my legs. I'll even like do these weird ass poses that aren't even actually poses just to see the muscle group. So like, I'll kind of like turn around and like when I'm taking a video, I'll, like kind of flex my hamstring just to see my hamstring flex. So like, I guess that's just how I do it at least. But yeah, there is that whole stigma thing. So you you, you do got the guys who are like um, making sure that they can wear like wearing clothes that look good in their front double side chest, stuff like that all the time. Um, but then you get into like, that's another problem with guys is that there is more of a focus on upper body and proportionate. Like for women, it's a very, very, especially in like women. <laughs> Have body. a
0: dumpy and nothing else.
1: Yeah, literally. That's it's such a heavy leg focus that they end up hitting like three or four like days a week and like two or three upper body days. And those two or three upper body days are like combining tons of different muscle groups. Obviously, you don't want like a super wide upper body I mean it, it all depends on whatever division you're competing in but for men no matter what we're competing in you have to have a solid upper body so there is always going to be that like a little bit more focus on upper body uh so when you're getting clothes you got to take into account whatever your strengths and weaknesses are so for me my arms are kind of a weakness so those steel shirts that you're mentioning or like I'm wearing a raw shirt right now that are like part of those like bundles where you just pay shipping they sh- they fit really well because they're wider around my chest and my lats that I'm going to need the size or the like actual size of the shirt for that I buy. So I buy according to my my chest, wherever that's at at the time. But my arms, my problem with my arms is that they aren't, they're a little bit smaller than the rest of my body. So the shirt, I need the sleeves to also kind of like elastic inwards from the actual armband, which is what those shirts do, as you know. So that's why those fit me so well. But if I get something from like TJ Maxx or Target or something like that, They don't take that into account. So the sleeves are pretty stiff and pretty straight. And that's where I get the poking out thing. But then, like, you know, guys might have the opposite problem where you have bigger arms and your chest is a little bit smaller. So you got to buy a cord into your arms because some guys can't get their fucking arms to fit through the damn hole. So that's another thing to keep into account is whatever your strengths and weaknesses are.
0: Outside of gym clothes, I don't know if I've actually bought regular clothes in a long time (laughs) because, like, I just... I don't ever buy them like yeah, I have stuff that either. I have stuff that fits or kind of fits and I just I run with it um I don't know I think the oh, last time I actually bought clothes was uh-huh. the the steel bundles cuz I like those cuz they're cheap as all hell but yeah. uh it's like
1: 10 bucks for shipping and you get a free shirt well it's yeah. like 10 dollar shirt if you think about it and then just samples of
0: shit after Yeah <laughs> excuse me um yeah and I uh I, I I also have been kind of looking at stringers now that I'm actually allowed to wear them because, you know, at PF, you're not allowed to wear them, which is the dumbest. Actually, pause. We're going to talk about that too. How dumb it is that you can't wear stuff at a PF. Here's our daily or our our weekly bash PF time. But uh, the fact that you can't wear a stringer really upsets me because Paul and I, I mean, we've talked about it, but a stringer in essence is just a piece of clothing that covers up your privates as a man. Like, cause you generally like in public, you don't want your, your, you know, your, your nipples, your tatas showing, um, in public and stringers can cover that. Um, but it allows you to see so much more of your muscles that you're hitting. So I know you like them for chest day. I like them. I don't, I don't really ever wear them, but I love them for shoulders just cause I can see mm-hmm. everything on my shoulder. But that's like the beauty of that style of clothing. You're able to see all the muscles, and when that gets banned from somewhere, that's so like, hey, don't have gains today. Like that's that's literally what that's saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it depends on whatever your level you're at, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like there is there is a stage where I w- I didn't even know what a stringer was. Then all of a sudden, I find out what stringers were, and I was wearing them every single day to the gym, no matter what I was hitting. And then now I'm kind of like I kind of wear clothing that like I said, compliments, whatever I'm hitting. So like, if I'm wearing, like if I'm wearing a stringer, it's most likely chest, maybe shoulders, but most of the days I'm wearing a steel shirt of some sort Um, arm days. I'll usually wear like one of the smaller ones, like medium. um, So that, you know, it kind of, when I get an arm it kind of pushes the sleeves upwards. So I can just focus on, you know, whatever I'm hitting there, but the stringers, you know, you're going to, there's plenty of guys who are who go through phases where that's like, all they wear which is something obviously like i said that i did um same with like different types types of pants you know short shorts stuff like that but the stringers also are going to depend on whatever company you're buying them from so for me jed north fits properly um it's it's a little bit more elastic there's a little more uh spandex in it where a lot of guys like gymshark which is a little bit more cotton i believe it's more cotton more like feels like a regular shirt in a sense uh so it all just depends on whatever route you want to take So for me, I like Jed North, but not everybody fits well with Jed North. It doesn't fit their physique well, but for me, it fits well for me. So Stringers is also another Brawl game you have to kind of take a look at.
0: Amazon Essentials, save on that money. Yeah, the Chinese made stuff. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I I say it jokingly, but in reality, I basically only buy from Amazon. So it is what it is. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I... uh, Let's see. I, I think we've, we've covered to upper body pretty well though. Yeah, that's I mean, that's sure. as <laughs> more or less like everything you could possibly wear. I guess if you find a gym that lets you do shirtless stuff too, that's, that's pretty big if you're a guy, because like, like we talked about chest, shoulders, uh, I love doing it for ab work too, because if like visible abs, um, I'm, I'm kind of having to say goodbye to because of, you know, I'm actually seeing Progression in my bulk, which I haven't seen before, so it's it's sad, but at the same time, I'm like cool, I get to have you know more more size now. But yeah. if I wasn't on that grind, you'll see your ab protrusion more than and any other time if you just did like an, an ab workout or something like that. So if you're shirtless and being able to see that, or even like mid like mid rep or whatever you're doing, being able to see it like. uh for me I love doing shirtless uh, leg raises because the lower abs are always tough ones not just only to train but to see like when you're mm-hmm. doing a flex of some kind so just being able to see that mid set is pretty cool. Plus, you know, that trains you to angle down and, you know, tighten up your core while you're doing the the actual exercise, but that's a separate conversation. Yeah. Um, you got to be
1: um you got to be careful with shirtless cuz there's a lot of gyms that like I don't know how Empire is. But most gym, like 95% of gyms require you to at least wear a shirt. Um, you know, occasionally you'll see guys like take off shirt for a photo and something and put it right back on. I don't think that gyms will really care if you do it that quick, especially when it's more slow and there's a lot, not many people in the gym, but you got to be careful with what you're wearing. Um, make sure that you're following the guidelines because it's obviously embarrassing if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, you got to wear a shirt or something, um, but like, you got to also k- take into account, you know, how you're going to be perceived in society in general, like for someone like a uh, liver King, which I really huh. want to talk about at some point, um, yep. you know, he's never wearing a shirt and that's just kind of like part of his whole brand. Um, so don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. That's never wearing a shirt.
0: But also don't, don't lie about PED usage, but separate conversation. <laughs> oh, dude. I want to talk about that so bad. Cause it's like, You know, if you're gonna
1: take PEDs, either don't talk about it or just be transparent, you know, just talk, say, hey, look, this is this is the reality. But like I get why he lied, because from a business standpoint, if he never talked about it, people would just obviously know they'd be like, All right, well, clearly he is because he's not addressing it. If he said he is, then his brand wouldn't sell that well because people are saying that a lot of it's the drugs. But if he said he was it and he was natural, he would make the most money off of that because he's saying that my brand is the reason I'm here, not because of the drug. So I get why he did, but it's still a shitty thing to do. So it, it's good to see him called out and he's like, and then it made it even worse when he came out and was like, "Yeah, I totally, I took like, I take like TRT and like, that's just about it. But in the past I took GH and Winstrow and all of this but my liver didn't agree with this. so I stopped taking it after a couple of weeks and it took me a long time which to get is, back to normal and it's like Which is the-
0: hilarious because he's the liver king.
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like like not to mention that like the liver king idea is behind like eating liver not just like liver health but it's which I mean eating animal organs is very good for you it's very nutrient based but um like that's that's the whole like that was the other problem too is that he wasn't addressing it at first he should have addressed it the second Derek's video came out about it um which is more plates more dates and more plates, more dates is also on a new Joe Rogan podcast which I can't wait to listen to because I'm so hyped for that but um like he should address it right away and should have been like look this is what I was taking you know and you know I'm on x y and z now or just on trt now or something I was stupid it didn't really get me where I wanted to go. It was just only hurting me, but he didn't address it. You know, he, he waited too long. He wasn't addressing it. And then he came out with a half-assed video. That was 15 seconds long of him being like, this is what I wasn't, or I was on that for a little bit. It's just such a bad way of doing things. And I just love that he was put on blast because clearly he was on shit, but people were trying to believe that it was like the nine inch tenants and you got to take his supplements and all that to look like him. And Dude's got ab implants for fuck's sake. Like it's yeah. He's not a good role model. So don't be like that guy. wearing no shirt everywhere.
0: <laughs> Tune in next week where Paul roasts liver King for two straight hours. <laughs> yeah. I could literally
1: just like, I could probably bang out like an entire two hour session. Just by myself, just talking about liver King and the whole controversy behind what he was taking and why you shouldn't be taking that and, um, to speculate who he was reaching out to as a coach and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty wild, pretty wild (laughs) conversation, but to branch into, you know, obviously more pants, like that's really the, the biggest area that's not going to, that's going to affect you the least. Um, you know, obviously don't, most gyms don't really allow you to wear denim just because it kind of wears on the equipment a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, it looks goofy. It does look goofy in a sense, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you're wearing jeans or something to the gym. I just assume that you just were on a time crunch, and you just showed up on the way to something else or something like that. You know, I used to wear jeans a lot to the gym because, um, you know, I was working so much and had such a little amount of time between school and work that, like, swapping clothes just was too much time for me. Um, you know, so my main focus was just getting to the gym, lifting, and getting home. Uh, so I was wearing jeans a lot to the gym for that reason. Uh, but I can understand why Jim say no to denim. But then you got, I think that for a lot of guys, it's gonna be either sweatpants. You got like regular, like seven or nine inch inseam shorts. I wear five inch inseam shorts to for leg day, or maybe seven inch sometimes, depending on the shorts. Um, but pants is really not really where it's not gonna matter the most, because um, most guys, especially calves, is is not gonna it's not gonna show. Like, especially if we're in shorts, like regular nine inch or seven inch shorts, is you're not going to be like highlighting any specific muscle besides calves. Um, so shorts is going to play the least amount of role in whatever you're hitting, especially like hams and glutes. If you're hitting a ham and glute day, like, yeah, good luck seeing that. Like, there's no really point of wearing specific clothing for those muscle groups because you can't see it, it's behind you. So, um, not that big of a deal. Just whatever matches whatever you're wearing and complements ideally whatever you're hitting or your look overall. And I think you're good to go in that department.
0: Yeah. And um, I think wearing, you know, very high waisted or not high waisted. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Steve Urkel Um, wearing high, very high inseam shorts during leg day is socially acceptable too. I don't, I wouldn't wear them, you know, for every single muscle that I'm hitting, but wearing them for legs is big, not for like, not just the, you know, social atmosphere part of it, but like for your own progression, because for me, when I do like leg extensions, by the way, which spam leg extensions, if you want to see quad definition, but um, leg extension, than hack squat, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, (laughs) excuse me. Um, when I do my leg extensions and I wear my, very high inseam shorts i actually roll them up even more just so i can see every single one of my muscles or like within my quad move while i do that particular exercise Uh um and that's you know links to that mind muscle connection that we've talked about in the past like in order to yeah in order to build it you have to see it and seeing it move can be really really cool like especially on um leg extensions because you can take low weight and really excuse me see it like progress through and through like at the top of the set at the bottom of the set what does a full flex look like versus just dormant and standard like there's so much you can mess around with when it comes to wearing high inseam shorts like that um and then of course in uh, in the bodybuilding side of things uh you wear like high inseam shorts and then pull them up almost to speedo length, so you can get a full pump picture. Like I see, uh, uh, Noel Diesel do that all the time on his pictures. Like he pulls them up all the way, so you see a full leg flex uh, when he does a leg day. And I think that's you know a totally okay reason why you should be wearing shorts like that. Um, because think about your basketball shorts situation. You can't really pull those up and get away with some kind of picture there's just too much fabric there like it, it doesn't work but if you have already high inseam shorts it's pretty easy to pull them up and do a pump pick like that so i think it's definitely beneficial to wear those but i tend to wear it's actually funny how i started i wore shorts when i first got in and just like you they were basketball shorts because that's just what i owned yeah um and then i got slim fitting like tight joggers like that the you've mentioned as well And at the time, I thought they made my figure look great because, you know, anything compression, I really like. But then as I got deeper and deeper into the gym game and, you know, looked at myself more in the mirror, I actually felt like showing off how thin I can be actually pulls me down mentally. So I Mm -hmm. more or less just stopped wearing my slim fitting joggers. I'll wear them around the apartment, but that's because I'm not going anywhere. But um. It's it's certainly an interesting, you know, progression. And I'm sure everybody who's listening has had something where you wear, <coughs> excuse me, you wear one day and then a year, maybe a month or so later. It just isn't the vibe anymore. Yeah, um, you
1: kind of go backwards a little bit and because you, you yeah. learn a bit more and you kind of learn where you're at, where your standing is. And that's like that's part of the, the jogger thing for me, too. Like at first I was wearing, you know kind of like well I started obviously a lot of jeans at one point but getting into joggers I w- didn't get into them until I at least had enough like growth to like kind of fill out the joggers for the most part um especially having like uh you know the, the wider <clears throat> the wider leg look with the quad sweep you know a quad sweep is going to play a lot of role in how wide your legs look and how big your legs look when you're wearing tighter clothing like joggers so that's when I really started wearing joggers was at that point <clears throat> um, so I can definitely see like if I didn't have the leg muscles I do I wouldn't be wearing joggers for that particular reason Um, but when I look at myself in photos I like wearing joggers because it gives that you know the the inward look you know with my waist going inward with my lats being outward and then my legs being outward you know I don't really know what shape to call that I wouldn't really say hourglass because you don't want to have an hourglass as a guy obviously but you know that that look where you're. I want
0: the dumpy. Yeah, basically.
1: <laughs> you also you kind of need a little bit of a dumpy too to pull it pull it off. But um, yeah, that's gonna be your biggest your biggest thing right there. And then obviously your um, I, th- I always I want <laughs> to say adductors, adductors. I freaking hate it. I always get them mixed up. But your adductors should be. Um, also relatively decent for the most part for that reason um it it brings in your 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 legs closer so you can spread them out further make them look even bigger so that's something to take into account too but yeah you're you're looking at like your quad sweep is going to be um your your lateralis your vastus lateralis and then you got your teardrop which is your vastus medialis for me my teardrop is not very good so um it doesn't really show that well even though i am working on it constantly but that's another thing to kind of purchase for and that was my problem when i was buying my like suit for the wedding is that i had to buy it based off of my thighs because when i when i buy pants i could buy like the right waist size like let's say like a 30 or 32 like recently i bought new pants um and if you buy for me if i buy according to my waist size they almost never fit because they don't fit my thighs so i have to buy like at least one size bigger to fit my thighs and then like they're either looser on my waist or i have to wear a belt typically so that's that's a problem that you have when you're you're buying clothing
0: um when your muscles well that's that's why we did those resistant curls for you when before the wedding fill out the top part because we had to get the bottom fitting (laughs) yeah exactly
1: yeah i wanted to, to fill it all out but um And then you have to buy according to your lats for like the suit, like the suit, suits are such a bitch to buy now because like they got to fit my delts. So if I like put on a jacket, my delts are going to shorten the sleeves. So you have to have longer sleeves for that reason. And when you raise your arms, you have to make sure that your delts don't pull too much up on it or else you're going to, it's such a bitch. And then you have to buy like according to your lats because It's not about standing up straight. That's the problem. It's like bending over or like sitting down that your lats kind of extend a bit and that's going to stretch out the jacket or shirt you're wearing. And that's also kind of a bitch. And that's just, that's just part of the, what you're going for. That's part of having a bit more muscle mass and it's just something you got to work with. And it's a pain because you'd constantly change clothes and pants are just as annoying as upper body is to purchase for. So you got to work with it.
0: I actually have a really funny story when it comes to suits. Um I love wearing suits because I just am at my most confident like and feel my most as- like self when I'm wearing a button-down and some kind of a suit. And uh so I own a couple like, you know, high-end suits that I love wearing. And one of them is my suit I've owned for oh boy, yeah, several years now. And I got it, you know, when I buy a suit, I get it tailored, like fitted every like everything down to the T. So it's a perfect fit suit. Yeah. And, uh, I had all the work done for this one particular suit and I, I tried to put it on the other day and one, I immediately tore the pants, like suit pants, just through the, through the ass, just tore. And I was like, okay, so that didn't work. And then I put on the jacket and the way I'm just naturally like, I'm leaving my apartment, I'll get dressed. And then I put my shoes on. And so, I had all my stuff on. I'm about to leave for the day and I'm trying to tie my shoes. And because of how my shoulders are pressed up, it doesn't allow me to, It I literally could not tie my shoes because this, as you know, suits are like, there's one way it's not like a t-shirt or something like that, where it'll, you know, mold with you. Like the suit yeah, is set sure in either. one way. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you get, oh, I keep getting the ads for the, uh, the, um, it's like, the ad is this dude doing backflips in a suit or something or something like that it um, was like latex in it or something yeah it's it's for like 10 percent cotton and it's just like you're wearing a piece of plastic at that point interesting
1: yeah if it's mostly like latex or spandex or something like not latex mostly spandex then it's gonna look it's also gonna look weird probably too it's gonna look shiny
0: yeah exactly um but go ahead but just it's it's just funny that like suits if you fundamentally believe in the gym, so this, this is a big thing right here. If you fundamentally believe in the gym, you will be able to attain your gains. But if you only focus on the day to day, you won't be able to achieve any goal that you want, because that's too small of a time frame. So use for me, honestly, using the suit as a, you know, belief system with, for the gym worked wonders for me, because when I put it on and bent down to tie my shoes. I mean, I even tried it sitting down and I couldn't even do it sitting down. Like being able to have that moment just like made me smile because this was a perfect fitting suit, Mm -hmm. not even two years ago. And now it's at the point where, (coughs) excuse me again. Now it's at the point where I fully cannot like do mobility down to my feet. And I'm not a very flexible dude, so the like just being able to do that from a seated position is pretty big for me. And so, not being able to do that was such like a boost for like <laughs> my belief system in the gym because you just don't see the results day to day. But when you start to outgrow certain pieces of clothing or fit into things that you never thought you'd fit into, mm-hmm. that's pretty big. Like I actually have a bundle of clothes that I uh, um, got from a former coach of mine who you know, had all this gear, like really top end gear from when he played and it's all three X because this was a big, big dude. And I just, every day I'm like, all right, one day I'm going to fit in that. Mm. And it's, it's a really good goal to have. So using clothing as more than just clothing is kind of the point that I want everyone to take away from this, because if you're able to use clothing as your motivator rather than just an article that you're wearing like that becomes a huge part of it
1: i moved down here before i moved down here i had to buy a few suits um and when i bought them i bought them from this private label company that basically um purchased they made suits for brooks brothers uh so it wasn't it wasn't brooks brothers suits themselves but it was the company that made them for brooks brothers so it was, it was essentially like um you know brooks brothers buys it from them and then relabels it so um it was that that company so the, you could buy it kind of like in bulk in a sense like warehouse pricing at the store that i went to um because that's where they actually make them i went to the actual factory itself so when i bought those suits i had the um measurements done for when i was moving down here so i had to move to colorado and then down here so i was wearing i was wearing the suits in colorado but then when i moved down here um, they, I didn't wear them for a while because I was working from home. I was working digitally. And then, uh, you know, obviously that took a while to, to kind of get worked out. And then a couple of years after I bought them and haven't worn them for like at least a year and a half, I put them on and they didn't fit at all. Mm-hmm. The shirts mm-hmm. kind of fit, but the sleeves didn't fit. There's no way in hell I could have made it work. I mean, I could have maybe potentially brought it to a tailor and they maybe could have fixed it. But even then that's a bit stretching it um the i didn't even try i don't think i don't think i tried on the pants it definitely would have been too short because that's the other problem too when you're buying pants when you have bigger thighs and butt and stuff like that is that you're it's going to pull the pants up naturally so you like you got to buy a longer length like recently i bought 32 for length and i've always been 30 uh this was my first time ever buying 32s but hype what's that hyped (laughs) yeah for real it's like i got taller but not really just my pant length, my inseam, or my, um, yeah, my pant length inseam needs to be longer. But um, yeah, so it just they didn't fit anymore. And they were custom-made suits to my measurements, like to every yep. single measurement. I did have to get them tailored just to kind of fit them a little bit better. But um, they're all custom-made, and it's really expensive, but they don't fit anymore. So, I mean, I should sell them now, but that's the other problem. It's just you're, you're, it's, when you're buying stuff that needs to be altered, it's, ne- it's never going to fit for a long period of time. That's why I rent like I rented the suit for our wedding because I knew that at some point that's ne- that's who's never going to fit again. So why purchase a suit when I know it's not going to
0: fit later on? See, that's the beauty of having a uh, younger brother who's uh, similar <clears throat> frame as me, but uh, it's he's not, you know, as built as me. So anytime I outgrow something like this, send it down to him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, perfect. It, it works out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, big thing that we haven't talked about yet uh inside the gym and apparently shoes shoes yeah, is a big one, big one because when you first get into the gym I'm I don't think this is under a hundred percent this has to be a hundred percent your very first day in the gym you wear whatever you got <laughs> you are not buying a special pair of shoes just to go to the gym when you first get into it mm-hmm. so I think it's really interesting to kind of see like who is new to the gym just from that aspect. Like, Hey, you're wearing like the mowing the lawn ones. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I know that you're coming from just yard work and you're coming to the gym. <laughs> yeah. When the,
1: the dad sketchers,
0: the dad grilling at home sketchers. Yep. The all whites. Oh baby. Yeah, exactly. I've see, I see those in the gym. And so I know, but yeah. um, at some point you progress to, and let me know if this was different for you, but at some point, you progress to the flat bottom shoes. Um, I, mean, I started there with Vans. So yeah. I at least relatively start with flat shoes or started with flat shoes. Yeah. And what I mean by flat is that it doesn't have the natural arc that a athletic shoe will have. Where, you mm-hmm. know, if you think of just any regular athletic shoe, there's a arc from the, the middle of your foot because it naturally allows you to roll and move that way. So... Athletic shoes are basically tiered to you walking or running or jogging or something like that, whereas flat bottom shoes are meant to give you a very firm base for whatever movement or exercise that you're doing. Um, be- which becomes huge once you get into you know the three core movements. So not really so much chest like uh, bench press, but um, for squats and deadlifts, like. Having flat bottom shoes is huge when it comes to that because it just gives you that baseline of stability that you really really need.
1: Yeah, and you you should never be, especially like deadlifting in squats, you should never be wearing like running shoes or athletic shoes. Um, they're not going to give you like you said the stability that you need. And you know there's there's I remember I still remember this to this day. There's a there's a day that Terry Crews posted a video of him deadlifting. Who? I don't know if it was like yeah, funny. <laughs> it was like uh, four plates or something. And he was wearing running shoes and everybody criticized that because you should not be wearing running shoes because you never like they provide ankle support for running, but they're not going to provide like knee support or Mm -hmm. straight stability support for your ankle and your feet when you're deadlifting straight up and down, same with your squats. So that's why it's important to wear those flat footed shoes. And if you don't have them, like if all you have is running shoes, then when you're deadlifting or squatting, probably just take off your shoes. I mean, a lot of gyms say, oh, you don't take off your shoes, but it's like if that's all you're taking them off for, then you put it right back on when you're done and people aren't really going to care too much um, as long as you're not sticking up the gym with your feet. Um, But for me, I'm either depending on the day I'm either wearing Vans, especially if I'm doing upper body that where it really doesn't matter. Um, I'm wearing Vans just because that's what I have mostly of, but when I'm doing legs or if I know I'm going to be doing deadlifts, I'll wear rider wear. So I, I bought mm. a bunch of rider wear, or not a bunch, two pairs of rider wear shoes that I wear. Um, and those are phenomenal. I love those. They're they're similar to automix. So if you buy automix or rider wear, they're very, very similar shoes. Um, you got, they, they lace up pretty high. They they give you some good ankle stability. They're also very, um they're very, very light. They're extremely light. So you never, you don't really feel them on your feet when you're walking. And then also, the way they're built, they're, they're bodybuilding the shoes entirely. They're not powerlifting shoes or anything. They're specifically made for bodybuilders. So um, the sole is going to be very flat. You're going to get a really good ground feel when you're when you're uh, lifting. The grip, the actual sole of the shoe is pretty consistent throughout the entire thing. So you're not going to have like um, like a thick part of sole or a thin part. It's pretty much the same thing. You don't even see the sole from the side. So... Um, you know, that's another thing that to take into account with that. And when they send it to you, the actual insole that goes into it, um, it's like basically just a flat piece of cloth with a tiny flat bit of foam for your heel. So it's like, I can't quite explain it until you experience it. I bought them because they were like half off on sale. And I was like, sure, why not? They look cool. And I've always wanted a pair like this, either RiderWear or Automix. I wasn't particular. So I bought the RiderWears because they're on sale. And it's like, you can't go back. Once you have those for like squats or something, it's like mm-hmm. it's game changing. Um, uh, you just you feel every single bit of the floor, you feel, you know, way more stable. Um, and when you're squatting or doing deadlifts and stuff, you need to be gripping with your toes, you need to be gripping with your heel. Like there, that's stuff that people don't talk about. Um, and it's you can actually truly do that with those shoes. Where with like Vans or something, all you're doing is digging into the sole You're not really actually like gripping anything even though like yeah you're not in theory gripping anything at all at any point with your toes but when you can curl your toes and provide more stability for your upper body that's what you're going to need that's why like so many deadlifters and powerlifters and all of that they lift with no shoes on because they can like grip the floor with their feet in a sense and plant much better so that's what these shoes are designed for so i love them i'll always preach rider wear um and the customer service is pretty good too so Um, I always preach them and they have sales going on all the time, but it is, it is a pretty big game changer when you find a good pair of shoes that's designed specifically for bodybuilding. Um, and they also just, to me, they look good when you're wearing like shorts and you're wearing those things. It makes your like, legs look bigger for some reason. I don't know. I just have associated that with big legs. So I think they look good.
0: Yeah. And for me, I come from the athletic side, so I always wore basketball shoes going into the gym. Um, and i my thing is that i take pride in having flashy shoes it's what i do like i have even on my basketball shoes i've got like gold plate like i'm looking at one of my pairs right now there's a gold plate on the back of it that's metallic and shiny like i take a lot of pride in having the most outrageous flashy shoes and so when i first started looking for um I didn't even really know about the flat bottom. I just knew the look of the high ankle, you know, um, mesh kind of look shoe. So I just looked up weightlifting shoes and came across, um, and again, we mentioned brands were not affiliated. We're not endorsed. We're not repping anything. We're just speaking truly anecdotal data, but, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I found, um, this company called noble, which, um, if you are from the New England area, you know that Mac Jones is sponsored by the these There's guys. But, uh, down
1: here too, I see people with Noble pretty often. Yeah,
0: and I just liked them too because, like, just the name, no bull. Like that. That in itself gives me a little bit of motivation because I'm like, all right, we're not fucking around today. We're we're going to like we're having a real serious lift today. Right. Um, so I found uh. And if you watch any of Empire's um, social media page, you always... (laughs) I don't know how, but I always wind up in the background of all these videos because you can just see my shoes. But I wear neon pink uh, lifting shoes. Um, But the very first thing that I noticed was from my deadlifts when I switched to wearing those. And I was still at PF when I was wearing them. So I was deadlifting on a Smith, which in itself is not a good combo because you take away your own personal stability and the kind of backwards motion you can use to try and get a little bit of the less oomph on your deadlift. But um, when I was deadlifting, I had so much more, like we talked about stability because I I will live and die by conventional deadlifts. I think sumo lifting is for pussies. Um, I, I personally just don't like it. Um, mm. So I conventional deadlift everything. Um, I also don't cross grip it, but that's, you know, separate conversation, but um, I deadlift and immediately was able to bump up my weight just because, and this also happened when I bought wrist wraps um, to latch onto the bar. Of course, that's again, another separate conversation, but um, all of that, it it wasn't like I added a hundred pounds to my deadlift just from shoes, but I could feel myself a lot more comfortable moving the weight that I had been. You know one or two repping um mm-hmm. so it's a lot better to have that base of stability i've never done this sh- the no shoes thing i do see it all the time at empire so i'm curious and i probably will try it one of these times mm-hmm. um but having some kind of a flat bottom is gonna make your life a lot easier and i even notice it when i'm doing arms which is kind of weird but when I do like my very first arm movement that I do every single time for an arm workout is a standing hammer curl. And, um, when I do, uh, arms, my first and second set, (coughs) excuse me, Jesus Christ. Uh, my first and second set will generally be very isolated on the muscle. It's focused on taking it slow and, and taking plenty of time under tension. Uh, but by the third set, I'm probably swinging a little bit. Um, and, Uh, I preach that it's okay to swing a little bit, uh, when you're doing arms, but, uh, when I'm swinging and what I mean by swinging is that when my arms at their furthest point underneath, and I'm kind of using my upper body to kind of umph it up to the top a little bit, and I'm able to create that swing motion a little bit easier with flat bottom because I just have this huge baseline of, of stability, um, it's nothing major like I you're not going to be able to go from 30s to 50s on your on your bicep curls just by wearing flat bottom shoes. Don't don't think this is where this, this topic is going, but yeah. you definitely have a much more secure baseline. Um and I even get to the point where I put on my flat bottom shoes and I don't take them off when I do cardio. So I do my, you know, mile to mile in flat bottom shoes, which probably isn't the best thing in the world, but I just beca- have become so hooked on them that I just never take them off.
1: I mean, that's what I wear when I'm doing cardio on the treadmill. I just wear like vans or my rider or something. They're just comfortable to walk in. I mean, it's not like like if I was going for a long walk that or like a hike, I obviously wouldn't wear something like that. But, um, you know, walking for a half hour and a slight incline on the treadmill is not that big of a deal for me, at least. Um, yeah. But they are a big deal as far as like, changing up how you lift and how you feel when you lift um obviously it's not going to change everything they're just going to help you know they're not a supplement for something else you shouldn't be putting them on thinking that you're going to get bigger or get stronger um you know it's going to change how you lift and how you feel it so you you might like you said like you're going to feel a little more stable in it so you're going to push yourself with a little bit more weight because you feel better with them on um but the same thing kind of goes for like no shoes like when you're deadlifting or doing hack squat or whatever it is with no shoes like you have like this better feel for the actual platform or per, for the floor when you're wearing those shoes um, than you do with pretty much any shoes. I mean, you know, bodybuilding shoes can provide a bit, a bit more ankle stability, so I do recommend that. But uh, you know, half the time, I mean, I'm like my shoes that I'm wearing are most likely unlaced of some sort. Uh, if, if they're vans, they're they're tied, but I slide them on. You know, they they just stay tied. But my rider wear is I almost always wear to the gym unlaced and only lace them when I feel like I need them. Um, But then, like, I think times to get more picky with with movements like that, especially squats and deadlifts is the accessories that assist you with lifting it uh, for stability, like knee sleeves and knee wraps or like um, uh, lifting straps as well. Lifting straps play a big role. Personally, I don't use elbow sleeves of any sort for bench. Um, I've never had a problem with my elbows, but, um, and then I used to wear wrist wraps for bench, but that wasn't like that big of a, it. It, it, it for me, it, I only wore it because I had a problem. I have a, basically like a permanently broken thumb from a motorcycle accident. So I was wearing it for that reason. But then like, once I built up my tolerance and like learned how to like perfect, like properly move with my thumb and move, you know, weight on the bench, then I kind of stopped using it and didn't really matter to me anymore. Um, but wrist or like lifting straps, I think play a big role. Um, especially for me, cause I like, I only use them when I need them. You should be working on your grip like as a secondary thing to whatever you're lifting. So like deadlift is a good way to work on your on your grip. I don't necessarily think you need to have like a dedicated time to work on your fore, forearms or grip in general, um, unless that's your whole thing. Like Frank McGrath, that's like his whole thing. That's like his whole like brand is his forearms. So obviously he's going to work them out so that he can have that like unproportionate forearm look. But typically you Popeye. don't- Popeye. What's that? Popeye. Yeah, basically- <laughs> Is kind of what he looks like, but um, you know, if you're not Frank McGrath, you don't really need to train forearms or grip as a secondary, as, as a separate muscle group, in my opinion. Um, when you're doing arms, that's what you're doing. When you're doing arms. So squeeze the bar as hard as you can when you're lifting. Squeeze it really, really hard. That'll help with your grip. Same with deadlifts. I was gonna say
0: I I do I do one or two forearm movements, but only during my arm day. Like it's not going out of my way because you're already naturally doing it. Yeah. So I like in that
1: case, I would just recommend just squeezing the bar harder and you're going to get even more, more of a pump in your arms that way too. You're going to, you're going to have more blood flow, but I used to hit them all the time forearms and that was just because I felt like my forearms couldn't keep up with whatever I was lifting, but it's also just ignorance and, you know, kind of getting behind, like, or stopping the stigma of like wanting to lift the weight barehanded. And for me, it's now it's like, if I'm going to do any sort of deadlift, I'm going to use wrist straps because like, I want to be able to focus on the muscle group that I'm hitting, not focus on my grip at all. Like, I don't even want to have to think about it. I want to be focusing entirely on whatever I'm lifting. So for me, I've tried 10 freaking different kinds of lifting straps. Um, you know, the standard lifting straps that wrap around the bar that have like the, the long piece of cloth. I've done that. Those are reliable. The only problem I have with those is that it's going to change the way you grip the bar because there's going to be a mound of um, mound of actual like cloth in the way. So that's going to change what finger you're gripping the bar with, and that's going to change what muscle grip you're hitting in a sense. So if you're going to be doing deadlift, focusing on the middle two fingers, you're going to be focusing on like more of your middle
0: back. Um, no, you, you just have one yoked pinky, and that's all it is. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you're, that's what I was going to say <laughs> next. It's like If you're lifting a lot of the weight with your pinky, then you're going to have like your outer lats and your grip is going to be so like off center like as far as like look it's gonna be right in the middle of your forearm it's gonna be looking weird so same with your first finger if you're pulling from your first finger it's gonna change where the actual muscle the the actual uh weight goes so that's the problem that i have with those um i've tried so my favorite they're just so expensive i forget what they're called i think they're called scorpion grips i forget what they're Mm -hmm. called but they're basically just like one piece of leather that wrap around it once and you grab the other end um So those are phenomenal, but those are expensive. I've had ones that are like literally metal pieces of metal that hook the bar. So you're literally not even gripping anything.
0: I was about to ask how you feel about the hook. Yeah. So the hook
1: ones, those aren't bad. Um, I actually like those. But the problem is, is because you're not gripping the bar. Like for me, when I had those, I noticed that the bar is moving more on me. Like I was like it was swaying more because I technically wasn't really gripping anything. I might've been gripping the metal, but like the bar barely. Yeah. I like, I didn't even need to really grab it. You know, the, the, the wrist strap could do all of the lifting for me. So um that was kind of, it was cool, but it's not something to like maintain with like something. It's not something you should be using constantly or forever. Um, as maybe if in the beginning you want to use something and just kind of get the form down. Like, I think they're really good for like understanding form for deadlift because you don't have to think about the grip. That's the biggest thing is just understanding the actual movement itself, not the grip. Um, so I think that that's cool with those, but what I use most of the time is the figure eight grips, um, the figure eight rip, rip uh, wrist straps, a lot of strong men use them. Um, basically you put your hand through one hole, put wrap it around the bar and then you put your hand through another hole. So it's like essentially hmm. two holes. It looks like a figure eight when you're holding it upright. So that's what I use. I really like those because it it falls further down on your hand. So it's almost like it it kind of wraps around your fingers and your knuckles rather than your wrist. So it, it's not going to um, yank on my thumb because my thumb's broken right where like where my thumb kind of meets my wrist. It's not quite like my actual thumb. It's where that joint meets on the out on the edge of your hand so it doesn't pull from there like most other wrist straps that's why i like them so much and at the same time they're wide enough to where all of my fingers are grabbing the cloth of the actual grip or the wrist strap i mean so there's no like unbalance between each finger it's all pretty balanced for the most part because it's a flat piece of um like cloth like i said so that's why i like those and they take three seconds to put on both sides and you know they can adjust them as needed where the ones that wrap around it a few times, it kind of takes like 20 seconds to do it, especially if you're listening to music and you want to you want to lift right off the drop of the music or something. <laughs> like, it's so hard to time that with those kinds of wrist straps. So for me, my lifting straps just take three seconds and then I'll get ready for the lift and then do it. So that's what
0: I like at least. Yeah, I use straight up lifting straps for my deadlifts. Um, and I just find that even though I am, <coughs> excuse me, gripping... Um, a decent amount of cloth um i just like that i don't have to worry about losing my grip when i'm moving weight because my right now my deadlift weight outmatches my grip strength weight so i just don't like having to worry about that when i'm going for a pr um mm-hmm. and from like like you talked about focusing on form like i'm able to really like in my mind focus on my, my back arc making sure that my legs are loaded and driving like I'm able to spend a lot more mental st- like strain on the other things rather than alright I have to focus entirely on just keeping my hands on this bar because it's going to slip out on me mm-hmm. Um, I think that also brings in I'm not sure if we're going to call this an accessory or anything like that but being able to use chalk that's huge yeah huge That's have that's Conversation, go ahead. I I never had it at Planet because with their whole judgment thing, you're not allowed to use chalk of any kind because you know they're a bunch of pussies. But uh, mm-hmm. I use uh, I use chalk all the time at Empire for my various movements. Um, just because it's one more thing that helps me build my my grip, and also chalk in particular, I feel helps me build my calluses a lot more too because. Yep it mean. gives me it gives me a lot of grip in terms of being able to grab the bar so without noticing i'm you know stressing my hands more to like grabbing onto this bar since i'm not spending the time thinking about it mm-hmm. and because of that i in turn build much bigger calluses like i mean i do have a split between my left and right hand but that also comes from basketball but um just looking at my hands now i can visibly see call- two calluses maybe three calluses a finger A bunch of them in my palms, and it's I just get that from using, like, I credit my calluses almost solely to chalk because you're able to, again, spend less time thinking about gripping the bar. But also, when you chalk your hands and, like, do a clap or rub them before you grab onto the bar, you can see your calluses because it, like, it exaggerates your calluses, emphasizes them um and that i think is also a cool little bit of using it so i don't know if we consider this an accessory but it's certainly something that if you've never tried it you gotta try it at least once here here's my thing about chalk
1: chalk is helpful but the gyms that provide it for you almost never actually need it what i mean by that is a lot of the gyms that don't allow you to use chalk usually have less aggressive bars for the grip so the actual uh grip of the barbells and dumbbells and all of that you can purchase specific grips there's you know like rogue has different types of grips um that you can get on the bars obviously the worst one that anybody knows about or the like as far as harshness is is called um the everest grip or a, uh, mountain grip from i think rogue it just tears your hands apart but i think i can think of it <laughs> yeah it's it's rough it's rough like you're you're going to probably bleed when you deadlift but Um, so a lot of the gyms that provide the chalk for you or have like a bowl for it usually have more aggressive bars as far as the grip goes, but the gyms that don't allow you to have it, the grip isn't really that good at all. It's very smooth where you actually might actually need the grip, the chalk, which is, which is funny to think about like the goals I go to doesn't allow you to have chalk, but their bars are so fucking mellow with the, with the grip that you kind of need, like sometimes, especially if you're doing really heavy deadlifts, you're going to need a little bit of chalk um, because they're so non-aggressive. But then like you're kind of approaching like most people who use chalk, I would say a good majority are focusing on PRs like powerlifters. And a lot of powerlifting gyms allow you to bring your own bar and your own chalk and all of that. So, um, you know, that's obviously something else to take into account. But a lot of the gyms that don't allow it need it but a lot of the gyms that a lot like have it don't need it which is weird to see um, when i was going to elite fitness they provided chalk to you but their bars are relatively aggressive and i almost never needed it so as something to um you know consider when you're lifting the bar is do you really need the chalk depending on how aggressive the bars are so it's an interesting conversation to talk about chalk because It's, it just makes the gyms need to clean it up if they don't. So like, if you don't have the infrastructure for it, they're going to have to clean it up and take a second to like, actually go clean up your chalk, but like, it's going to help your lift. And it's just, it's such a weird gray area. Chalk is
0: such a gray area for lifting and gyms and all of that. That's why planet is even more messed because planet fitness, you only have Smith machines, Generally, you only have two to three of them, sometimes four, depending on the size of them, which means your entire gym population is going through those two, three, four Smith machines for both their benches and their dead and their uh, deadlifts. Yeah, Um, which and I this is I would always complain about why I couldn't have chalk at Planet because that bar. It's it's not that only that it becomes smooth, but it actually wears out and you can see visibly where it's wearing out. Yeah. And that is the most infuriating thing ever because you're trying to lift like for example I I only think I did maybe one or two PRs at PF. And they're not even real PRs because, you know, it's a Smith, but still. Um, only did one or two PRs and during that time i just sat there wishing to myself like i wish i could somehow chalk up this bar on my hands or something because it it just needs it and whereas at empire where i am now i can i mean i think they have more deadlift you know bar rack things than Pop i homes. have fingers on my hand yeah yeah deadlift. <laughs> especially yeah. since they've opened up gym two like they have so many. And because of that, you're not having the same kind of wear and tear and you don't necessarily need the chalk as much. So I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I just think that personally it helps me. Um, I think, though, what and why it's absolutely ridiculous. I've seen it, too. I don't understand it by any means, but people chalk their hands on a squat. <laughs> and we're not talking front squat either, back squat. Gee, like I, I've seen, uh-huh. I, I think it's ridiculous because... <laughs> One, you're probably going to, you know, chalk up your own clothing, which is a bitch to get out laundry wise. Um, but you, you you don't need it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just how I'm viewing it, but you don't need it when you squat.
1: Uh, maybe not on your hands, but the one place that a lot of people put chalk is their upper back for squats. And that's because it's easier for the bar to stay on your back when it has that chalk resistance. So that's what you'll see a lot. Um when they're when they're going for a squat PR is having it on their upper back or wherever they place the bar. So people will slap chalk on top of their back or top of their shirt or whatever it is. Um and the same thing goes for, you know, if you're doing front squats, they'll put it on their shoulders and their upper chest. And then you'll also see it deadlifting as well and powerlifting sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes they'll put it like um along their legs um as far as the reason i have no idea i've just seen it done and i'm like okay if that's what you want to do maybe it's so that they can kind of like um swing the bar up because they have a lot of people who do prs they'll have that like kind of swinging motion um you know to get the to get the weight up um to their waist as far as like actually counting it as a conventional deadlift so as far as what the chalk does, I think that just kind of st- stabilizes the bar as you kind of swing it upwards. But you'll see that from time to time, people are using chalk on more than just their hands. But in a squat, I think more of the weight is going to be pressed against your back and your shoulders as far as it rolling backwards than your actual hands because your hands like that's why you don't really use chalk you can use chalk on bench but like you don't necessarily need to use chalk on bench because the the weight is getting pressed into your palms it's not pulling on your fingers so that's how squat works like it's pulling against or pushing against your palms which you don't really need the grip for you just press up against it Um, but your back i can understand that so it doesn't slip um, but it all just depends on however you squat. Cause when you're squatting more for quads, you want it up higher when you're squatting for glutes, you want it back further. So you have, when you're squatting for glutes, you, you're going to have a higher chance of it sliding off. So just depends on the usage and just depends on the reasoning, at least for chalk.
0: I will say I run to the hills and hide when I see someone chalking their midsection because they're about to do it. You, you, have you ever seen axle lifts from uh, oh. the, when they do that? I I don't see it ever at Empire, but I'm just in my head. If I saw someone chalking their midsection in preparation for that, I would run because those that is a terrifying lift. Um, for uh, I think it's called an axle lift, but um, it, essentially you're going from a deadlift almost o- Olympic lift stance and then popping it up to your like your belly almost, then taking a big umph to your chest and then trying to do a military press with it. Uh, yeah, I see I... it in the um, oh, Eddie Hall. Is that his name? Yeah, Eddie Hall. Um, and I, don't think I forgot she... who the other guy is, but they do these. Those, those are just crazy. So whenever I if I ever see someone um, chalking their midsection, you can catch me just, you know, standing back and watching because it's going to get insane.
1: I don't know if does Eddie Hall do that. I'm looking it up right now to be sure what it
0: is. Um, I feel like I saw him
1: do it. But. Yeah, you're thinking of a snatch. It's called the snatch.
0: Or no, maybe, well, I know what a snatch. No, 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 I know what a snatch and clean is because that's oh, the Olympic. You're, you're up top. I'm a, talking about where you're. And then it, a um here, I, I'll I'll send it to you. I I know what I'm. Uh,
1: maybe you're talking about. A, are you talking about a jerk at all? No. Uh, okay. Because a jerk is kind of like. I mean, you have, you typically start, I mean, you do like a clean and jerk. So typically you get it, like you start from the floor, get it up to your upper chest. And then from there, you press it up essentially. But typically what they do is they kind of swing it up with a little momentum. And then they like do like a lunge underneath it and then lift it up from there.
0: But yeah, I just said it too. It's not the, uh, it's not the guy that, that I was talking about, but it's just an example of it. Yeah. Let me um, see. It's, it's an axle because it's the axle of a car. like that. That's oh, why where oh, it gets its name from. Okay, gotcha.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's an axle clean and press. Yeah, so it's a clean yeah. and press. That's what but it is. But do you I see saw. on that
0: video how he's chalking his midsection?
1: Yeah, he has his chest and his belly chalked so that the bar would slip.
0: Yeah, if I ever see that... I'm I'm immediately giving you every woman in the gym like (laughs) that's a pretty wild movement. you're a big dude (laughs) yeah I got no no small dude is gonna do that
1: (laughs) like I get I get the mechanics behind powerlifting but like Olympic lifting is fucking wild to me because it's like how especially when they have it over their head like how the hell do you not break your elbows like they got like 400 pounds above
0: their head and it's like cranked uh, on their elbows I, I think of it as almost like how the hell does your lower back survive? Because sometimes I see these videos, they're not wearing belts and they're doing like a clean and they, they throw it up. And then it's like every time someone does that, they once they get the weight up there, they'll rearrange their feet. So they're almost in a conventional stance. And yeah. I'm like, when you rearrange and like set yourself, how does your back not just go wheel and just give out on you? Like that is a taunt, Like you were saying, like 400 pounds above your head. Like Jesus Murphy.
1: Yeah, that is pretty wild. Like, I kind of understand the the ergonomics behind benching, deadlifting, squatting, all that makes sense to me. But like Olympic lifting is just like, how the fuck do you not break your limbs? Like, I just don't understand it. Because when you're looking at them, their elbows are cranked in the opposite direction of how they're supposed to be going. And it's like you Mm -hmm. have all the weight. Like, I feel like at that point, you just lock your joints and you got the weight up. You're just holding it there. Like obviously getting it up there is impressive, but when you're locked in right there, it's like how the hell are you not breaking your elbow like all the time? But that's a yeah. like that whole in like lifting style, is the one lifting style I truly just don't understand. Um, <laughs> you know, I get the purpose is to get the weight above your head. That's the whole point is that you're you're lifting it all the way up, but how they do it is fucking wild to me. Um I mean, obviously strongman is like you know all of it is ergonomically makes sense even the only one that i think is also wild too is when they do the um the oak lift or whatever it's called um they use is it i forget what it's called it's like the um it's like a big log they use a metal like a metal contraption in the gym but when they're actually competing at like the arnold strongman competition um you know it's like this gigantic log with ropes on the end and you lift that above your head. Um, that's pretty wild to me. But the metal thing, if you ever see that, it's going to look like a big metal, like long cylinder barrel with um, kind of like bars at the end to put plates on. That thing is already heavy as fuck. It's probably like at least a hundred pounds, that bar itself. And then people are at least a hundred. I don't even know. I've never weighed it. But um, then they add plates to it and you it's not like a regular bar. Like your your grip is neutral. It's straight up and down. And you have to get it from the floor to your chest, this gigantic cylinder, and then press that shit above your head. Um, we ha- we have
0: one at Empire, so we might have to try this out when you come oh, up. Oh, it's fucking wild! <laughs>
1: I don't think I'll ever actually do the lift. I just want to see how heavy they are. Um, I've never lifted one because usually when they're racked up in the weight rack, it's like a
0: Oh to god, get out. yeah. It's standing it straight up like how you, that's like a two person job to hug and squeeze. Like, Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's why I've never lifted it. But that's pretty wild to me. Strong like strongman competitors are pretty wild because you have to be like at least Eddie Hull is like 6'3", I think it is. Or maybe he's 6'5". I forget his height. Eddie Hull is short for those competitors. They're usually like yeah. around 6'9". So you already have to be like enormous dude just to even start doing that. So I have so much respect for those guys. And they like, even though they don't compete in powerlifting, they're stronger than powerlifters, which is oh, yeah. fucking wild. Even though, like, because those they're are not, already
0: the strongest dudes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, they're not focusing on deadlift, squat, or like, obviously, they do f- do it, but they're not focusing solely on bench, deadlift, or squat. And yet, they're outlifting these dudes. Um, they don't have, especially bench, they don't have the world record. I think that's Julius Maddox, but um, deadlift and squat definitely deadlift they obviously have the the record um half Thor bjornson has it now it's like almost 1200 pounds which is fucking absurd (laughs) but um it's just wild to me that like these guys are also training like way other movements like like um farmers walks and stuff like that and they're still crushing powerlifters with weight is fucking insane to me but that's a that's an industry that's beyond (laughs) like reasoning because they're they're like these guys are like drinking coca-cola like getting ready for their <laughs> their set because they need the sugar. <laughs> they need the sugar for the energy, and they're smelling salt, smelling salts all the time. And they have those mouth guards to fucking breathe because they can't fucking breathe when they're lifting because there's so much pressure in their head. It's it's retarded. Like the shit behind well, it, it's like
0: it's nuts. On 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 par with the accessories. Let's talk smelling salts. Like I've never tried them. So okay, so I to me it's. I I don't I don't own any I've I've tried it once or twice but it I mean it's just it's like doing a whip it almost I I don't know if you (laughs) never done that (laughs) yeah um uh, any kind of you know (laughs) respiratory ingestion is not probably good for you but um it just snapshots your body like it it makes your body go into like rigor mortis almost like everything goes tight every month, every one of your muscles flexes simultaneously when you do it, because your body is just naturally reacting to a foreign substance that it, you know, wants to fight off. And so <clears throat> it's almost like if a, if a bigger dude steps to your girl at the gym, your naturally body just tenses up with everything. Uh, that's, you know, bad comparison, but it's, I, I consider it to be a very similar experience where your body just goes completely like, in go mode and that's why it, it also resets your mind so if you ever watch videos of people taking smelling salts they'll do it when they're sitting down like on the bench right before they do a bench they'll do it when like someone will hold it up and their hands are already gripping the the, the squat rack or, or the squat bar or something like that because when you do it like you forget every you you could even forget your name like <coughs> excuse me um it It just makes it so like it's such a blank space situation. It,
1: that I thought the reason they did it was to open up their their pores and their their respiratory ways so that they can breathe. yeah,
0: okay. yeah. so and that's it's it's similar to like, uh, if you ever take tiger bomb or like icy hot um when you're sick or when you're trying to recover from a uh, injury that opens up your sinuses, it's the similar thing. Um, because again, it allows your respiratory system to funnel oxygen all over where it needs to, but the adverse effects from it, are that your body goes into rigor. You, you completely forget everything with, so you just, you take it and you immediately go into your, like, there's no waiting around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once or twice I've done it, not, not something I would do outside of a PR. Like if you're not doing a PR or something heavy and you're taking and you're like smelling salt, like. Come on, man. There's there's no reason for it outside of that. So um, I personally would not recommend it because unless you're in that like power lifting and you're constantly going for, you know, higher and higher weight, you need it then. But if you're just, you know, lifestyle fitness and you want to hit a PR, like it's not going to give you the effects that you think it will.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, it's. I saw um, Theo Vaughn do it on Joe Rogan's podcast, and that shit was so funny. Theo Vaughn is so naturally funny, but it's funny to see people who don't. I'm. I've never smelled it. I just know it's super, super harsh. But um, I do know that when you smell it, it like you're you. It fucks you up, and yep. it fucked up Theo. And he's just like, like he's like, people do this for fun, like, <laughs> and he like hit it twice. He's like, I want to hit that again. It's it's a wild sensation for a lot of people, but I mean, eventually I'll smell it or something, but it's, it's crazy. Like, I think they tried, um, Mufu's brand of smelling salts. I think it was. And, um, it's pretty wild. They, they, they didn't like it. Joe, Joe brought it to him and he said, try this out. And it's a Ziploc bag. And before they even opened up the Ziploc bag, <laughs> they could already smell how harsh it is
0: i'll I'll buy some for when you come up and then uh <laughs> yeah they're not exactly cheap usually no they're not even the amazon options aren't cheap like you're looking at 30 bucks i think for like a little little like tiny little tub well how long do so, they last
1: uh, like because it's not like well,
0: you use up the servings it just stays in the bottle correct but it depends on the air time you have open because you know oxidation and that natural process right there so if you – that's why you open it real quick, take a whiff and close it because oh. that preserves its longevity. Um, I wonder how long they last. Does it say how, like how long it can be out in the air? It's a great question. I have I mean I don't own any so it's not I, – I couldn't tell you but I'll look it up and see what we got. Yeah, because that's that's interesting because like pre-workout, stuff, uh, protein powder, stuff like
1: that, it's all based off of servings. Obviously, you remove some of the material to use it. So with salt, smelling
0: salts, you just leave it in there and just smell it. <laughs> so, yo, bro, me. let me let me dry scoop my pre workout and take a hit of smelling salts. Oh god, that would fuck you up.
1: <laughs> you'd be messed up. And mix it with a monster energy or something. Swig that back pre workout, and then smelling salts. You'd be like a, you'd be like that bear that like ate tons of cocaine and killed like
0: tons you, of people. <laughs> you see that that's being turned into a movie. <laughs> Is it? That's I heard yeah. a rumor about that. I think. I keep seeing the ads for it, but uh, um, shelf life for smelling salts is around six months. Um, Uh But it can, that's a varied number. It can last between one and six months, depending on how long you have it open for and um, different factors like that. Probably the humidity of where you live also factors into it. You're probably better off in a drier place. Yeah, Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, smelling salts are a wild ball game. Um, wouldn't recommend it for for anybody but in terms of other accessories um what i've never used it and i've seen it so well uh, i'm asking for your your Uh input on this one is um the bands that people attach to their mid their upper midsection or chest when they're doing a bench press that it like you wrap it around yourself in the bar i think and it gives you like some kind of like Additional support. I don't know. Have you ever seen this before? Oh, not? oh, oh! You mean slingshots? Yes, yes,
1: yeah. So sling, slingshots. Okay. First of all, never use slingshots. First of all, if you're listening to this. Do <laughs> not right. use slingshots. It, I highly recommend against it. it. Took me a second to think just, about what you're talking disclaimer about. Disclaimer out of the way. <laughs> I thought you were talking about like resistance bands because I was like, because like powerlifters attach resistance bands to the bench so they they don't slide back and forth because oh, it's like okay. the elasticity of the the band like kind of holds you in place like the um the it's physic like not the band itself lacks like the actual material it's made out of like prevents slipping so it's, it's going to stop you from sliding sli- left to right kind of like how like the bar grip is going to stop stop your hands from sliding left to right but anyways slingshots yes so that was created by a um guy named mark bell i think and he That's created like it what's that
0: I was just saying that's a white name. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's yeah, it is. So he created it. He got fucking rich off it, though. He made so much money. Um, he created it to increase your bench PR, because when you're benching, it pulls your elbows together. So it actually does some of the lifting for you. Um, the further down in the rep you go, the more elasticity you're going to get kind of like resistance bands when you're attaching it to any sort of movement you're doing when it's more stretched out, it's going to snap back harder. So when you're at the bottom of the rep, you're gonna snap out of the bottom a lot easier and get it to the top. When you're at the top, you're not really like um, using it at all. It's not really providing much resistance, but it's at the bottom that it's using it. So the problem with it, so first of all, it's not allowed in any sort of powerlifting league. Uh, it's against the rules because it assists with your with your PR weight. It's gonna assist you with your with your actual bench. Um, they have like benching suit, which which kind of like. I don't necessarily know how they work. Like those like one piece suits that that powerlifters wear. I think it kind of keeps everything all like together, so it does actually like help you lift. That's like the um. So there's like the raw powerlifting, which is just like a belt. That's pretty much it, I think. But then there's the assisted powerlifting, which I think is like with that suit on because I think it actually like provides elasticity in whatever m- muscle you're using. But slingshots are the same kind of way. Um, but it's to such a degree that they don't allow it. And they're also extremely dangerous. Um, you can hurt yourself very easily by using them because you're pushing way more weight than your body can handle. And all the weight is going to be applied to your, not all of the weight, but whatever the slingshot is assisting with, it's going to be putting weight on your joints. It's not helping your muscles. It's helping your joints literally compress inwards. So it's like, um, you know, if you have like, like I use a microphone stand, it's like, moving the microphone stand and then also pressing on the joint at the same time like you have a much better chance of breaking a joint or ruining a joint because there's so much force being applied to it so that's what a slingshot does is that it applies a force to your elbows which helps you lift up the weight but i i very much recommend against it i haven't seen anybody use use one in forever but um they're not they're not safe at all they're very dangerous
0: yeah, it's just one of those things I've seen in passing on socials. Never seen it in uh, <clears throat> at Empire or any gym or, something, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So not a very common thing in, in this area. Um, yeah. What is more common and what I highly recommend people do when you're building up your back, especially your, your lats, uh, when you do pull-ups, using resistant bands looped with your leg to give yourself still the free-form uh, pull-up like scenario rather than going to the machine and doing weighted pull-ups and stuff like that mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i i think using that is a very good thing um i know in the bodybuilding world you don't like to do a whole lot of calisthenics and stuff like that um yes but, or no. depends on the person yeah mm-hmm. um so well i i say that because i've seen the memes of uh uh, fa- it's some dude who plays like his character is like father bodybuilding or something like that, and he like his he finds a calisthenic first. He's like the power of, of bodybuilding compels you or something like that. I don't know. Um, I had to look it up. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you later. But uh, essentially, when I like to build, I, I love doing this, uh, but it takes a lot of taking your ego out of things to do this in a busy gym, but taking. Mm-hmm some kind of a resistance band throwing it up and tying the knot and looping it around um to do your pull-ups um is super beneficial for even if you don't need it being able to take it a lot take your rep a lot slower um and like feel your mind muscle with your uh muscles and then being able to explode explode through at the top I think is a really really good thing so um resistance bands as a whole I'm a big fan of for warm-ups too doing like little Side movements just to get yourself warmed up, um, like that the side fling out thing. I like doing that when I'm working. Oh, they have um,
1: rotator cuff movements.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that I mean that also comes from an athletic standpoint. But um, yeah, I recommend using
1: those for most people
0: for resistance bands or the movement just in general.
1: Okay. Yeah, your rotator yeah, so, cuff is a joint that's like warming yeah. up your elbows. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that's a that's that's all anecdotal. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. And again, that's athletic standpoint, but, uh, Mm -hmm. resistance bands as a whole, I think have a very good, uh, flexibility. Uh, again, I'll speak anecdotally here, but I taught a, uh, I taught a a get yoked class over the summer to some of the kids I teach. And, um, we didn't have access to like, you know, a pull-down bar or anything like that. And we still wanted to work lats like that. Um, so we had a gym and we took the basketball hoop Threw an elastic over the rim, and then did lat pull downs like that, <coughs> um, cool. and that gave yeah. us the flexibility to be able to. I mean, it's not a ton of weight because again, think it's an elastic, like it's yeah. it's just some some band. But I was able to implement this level of instruction to people without the actual use of a pull down bar because it would have been super easy. Like if you see a pull down bar, you sit in it, and there's only one place for the movement to go and so it's if you actually have it in front of you it's easy to teach it but uh resistance bands kind of give flexibility to perform different kinds of workouts in alternative settings which is why i recommend resistance bands for at homework like well, yeah i'm, I'm yeah. able to do different motions and movements with a resistance band just here in the apartment like that we guide covid my pull-up bar and obviously what i was able to do because i got wrecked by covid but my pull-up bar, my general calisthenic work, and my resistance band—great way to stay in shape when you're at home. So, I personally recommend resistance bands. Um, I don't know how much you see it in the in the bodybuilding world, but
1: yeah, from time to time, like typically, what you'll see is like reverse uh, resistance hack squats for people who have bad knees. If you have bad knees or bad joints for your knees, um, and you, you want to do hack squats, they'll put resistance bands. At the top of the machine and then on the chair itself because um, it's easier to get out of the hole at the bottom when you have bad knees and the span is pulling a little bit so it allows you to use a lot of the weight throughout most of the rep but then at the bottom you can explode out of it much easier that's the most of it you'll see some powerlifters kind of using it for bench um, to have it like pull down towards your chest more and then have it so like it's heavier at the top of the rep when you're not when it's not close to your chest, and then when it's at your at your chest is the lightest it is. So it's kind of the same way. It's like reverse banded, so it's easier to explode out of the out of the rep than it is to actually do the rep itself. Um, that's usually what you see. Um, I've seen some guys doing it in a squat rack. They'll attach the um, resistance band to the top of the rack and then attach it to the bar, and they'll do squats that way. It's all so like really the gist of what I'm trying to say here is that typically you see reverse banded everything um the only time you don't see resistance band and just see standard banded things that i can think of is like press because there's no real way to like attach a um like resistance band reverse i guess
0: um so when you attach it to well if you press, take the i was gonna say if you attach it to the uh the plate loading bar and then attach it to the hand grips you could get a little bit of reverse movement but mm, no. Not that's much. the
1: opposite you, i see where you're going yeah, yeah. it's the opposite because it's when it's at the bottom there's no there's no resistance from the band pulling it so oh, it would okay. be easier to get out of the hole but what i'm saying is like when you do reverse banded things it's the top of the it, the way it would work you'd have to attach it to the wall behind the leg press so that yeah, way it yeah, pulls yeah. on the platform when you're at the bottom of the rep because that's the ideal way of doing it. Like the hack squat, it, the resistance band is that it's stretched when you're at the in the hole. So typically in like press, you see standard resistance band um, usage where it pulls it at the top of the rep, but isn't pulling at the bottom of the rep. That's usually how resistance band should work, but I recommend against resistance bands in general um to anybody who's looking just for muscle mass or aesthetics because you're like there's really no reason to use it and if you have to use it for your knee joints you're just lifting too much weight like you need to focus more on form and smoother slower reps if you have to use resistance bands to pull you out of the hole you should be you should be your strongest and most comfortable in the hole and if it's because of you know if you have like a knee injury that's one thing but if you're just doing it because you're putting too much weight on your knees and you need to help get out of the hole, you're just doing too much weight, bro. Like, stop doing so much weight. Go a plate or two lower and just do slower reps and getting down deep into the hole and then exp- and then coming out of it like normal. So, yeah, I just am very against um, resistance bands for aesthetics in general, unless you're just power. If you're powerlifting, I can understand it, but not, not for bodybuilding. You should not be pushing so much weight your knees genuinely need the help from resistance band.
0: If you use a resistance band with leg press, it's you need a second person, and they're going to superset with uh, face pulls because you're just pulling the uh, the resistance band behind the uh, – instead of affixing it to the wall, just doing face pulls. Yeah, <laughs> they pull on the band when you're at the bottom of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I be mean, such a goofy movement. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to snap
1: back in your face, though. That would suck. <laughs> Um
0: that's like but, someone sitting on the on the leg press like such a goofy thing to do.
1: Yeah, it's so fucking dumb. That
0: shit's so dumb. But
1: one thing to do to consider too which we will cover really briefly is um knee wraps and knee sleeves. If you need yep. elasticity for your knees to for, to help then get knee knee sleeves. Um no sorry, knee wraps. Knee wraps give more of a elastic um movement to it than knee sleeves do. Um but I also I'm an advocate for knee sleeves in general, uh, for heavier movements. I'll use them on like hack squat or regular squat, but knee wraps, I'm very against. Uh, I used to use them back in the day, but if you don't, the problem with knee wraps is if you don't wrap them perfectly, they can really fuck up your day and knee sleeves keep that consistent. You know, they always have your knee sleeved up and perfectly balanced um, where the knee wraps, you have to wrap it just right and get it just right. And then sometimes they're, uh, they're not perfect. Like they're not balanced on each side. So one knee is moving differently than the other. Yeah. Knee wraps are a whole nother ball game when it comes to trying to be consistent with your lifts. Uh, and at the same time, they provide elasticity, which helps you with your lift. So it's like, if you really want to lift the actual weight, just get knee sleeves. Um, if anything, knee sleeves make it harder to lift, at least for me, because, they squeeze like my hams and my like the, the bottom of my quads and the bottom of my hams because of the actual sleeve itself. So it, it mm. kind of hinders my actual muscle contraction in a sense. So something to take into account.
0: Yeah. I'm an outsider looking in when it comes to knee accessories, just because I've never used them. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the other day I was squatting heavy and I could hear my right knee when i was down at the bottom of my my rep and then pushing and exploding upwards i could just hear it go and i was Uh, like oh well that's lovely Um, that's not supposed to happen (laughs) (laughs) well would you look at that
1: yeah that's that
0: um yeah so i probably will hop on that probably come the turn of the new year just because this is the one time of the year that you're not supposed to buy yourself anything, because so, you never know what's around the corner for Christmas. So right. I uh, come the New Year, I'll probably hop on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's a whole bunch of accessories and, and apparel that we just covered today. Um, again, we are not affiliated, endorsed, or or marketing for any of these particular brands that we've talked about. Purely anecdotal. What works for us might not work for you. So continue to test out the stuff we talk about. Do not use this as gospel. We are not. I mean, I might be swole Jesus, but you can't be using this as gospel. So you got to find what works for you and continue to work with that. Use this as recommendations. Use use us as an accessory. Ex- yeah, we're just
1: this is for entertainment. And if you want to use anything that we say, then that's on. That's up to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, guys, we will be seeing you guys next week with a brand new episode of Paul just dishing it out at uh, what was the thing we were gonna have? (laughs) Um, Oh, well, definitely
1: (laughs) gonna talk about um, Liver King. I definitely want to talk about yeah, Paul,
0: Paul, Paul for two hours straight just venting and ranting about Liver King. So I'm kidding, but it'll (laughs) probably be in next week's episode. So uh, I will see, or we will see all of you guys then. See you guys. Bye, everybody.